Welcome to The Wrong Side, the podcast where we talk through the latest happenings in pop culture to help make sure you never find yourself on the wrong side of history. On today's episode, we'll be talking about Jeanette McCurdy and the iCarly reboot, Chris Harrison's interview with Good Morning America, and highlights from last week's Women Tell All. Let's discuss. Audrey, I have to ask you, are you feeling like Jennifer Garner? Um, I don't know where this is going. I don't know where this is going, so I don't know how to set you up. Well, sure. no, just tell me yes or no. Not particularly. Okay, well, you should be, because we are 13 going on 30 episodes, baby! Oh my god, good one, Emily. Thank you, thank you, I had to. I don't really know what that means in this context, like 13 going on, but you know, like, it feels like we're on episode 13, but in reality, we are on 30, so that was the best context that I could give. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 30 seems like such a small number, but what? when we, I mean... It- but when we do it once a week, then you're like, okay, it's been like over 30 weeks because we've skipped a couple weeks too. So that's yeah. kind of, but it's like, ugh, you know, if we listen, if you guys wanted even more content, if you wanted more than 30 episodes within the span of 30 or so weeks, like you can tell people about the pod, you can post about it on your Instagram stories so that we can start making money off of the pod so that we can have money (laughs) so that we can be a little more motivated to do all of this no just kidding we're always motivated we're always excited but I will say that I know this influencer from college and she's just she's been growing her platform over the last like several years she is so dedicated killing it but she is also very transparent about how much she makes because she thinks it's helpful to share with other people. That way they can accurately price their posts and sponsorships, whatnot. Mm-hmm. And I had never done that research before myself. She said that she makes $1,800 per post and she has 30,000 followers. That's pretty incredible. I don't even need to make that much. No, like, I know. I'm like, I'd be good with 100. I just think it'd be 50. Honestly, Like we both have jobs. We both have jobs that fulfill us to some degree, but I just think it would feel cool to be able to have sponsors on this show, grow our audience, grow our reach. Like I actually, I know we make jokes about the money a lot, but I just think it would be cool to grow our audience. Also, there are so many facets of digital media or whatever. There's this girl I know who was in my sorority and I just learned that I, she came up on my for you page on TikTok. She never, I mean, from as far as I remember, like she never had like a crazy following on Instagram. It was like the normal, like, you know, two, 2000 to 3000 range of followers, like yeah, humble beginning. Bro. Yeah. Humble beginning. And none of her followers came from Instagram. She, her name's Claudia and she posts specifically content about low FODMAP foods because she has IBS And she literally has like 40,000 followers on TikTok. And I was like, wow, that's actually incredible because I saw one of her videos come up on my For You page. I was like, oh my God, like I know her. And then I went to her profile and she, you know, had this one viral video, the first one that came up on my For You page. And I was like, good for her. Like, that's dope. I hope she like, you know, has great success with that. Yeah. Like a few weeks later more stuff comes up on my for you page from her I go back to her account and she is growing that following like no tomorrow I'm like that's really cool because I feel like she found her niche and I feel like I know so many more people who are just in my circle ish who are finding their little niche and even if they don't have I'm kind of going on a rant but even if they don't have like a huge audience it's like I literally find myself going back to their content because of like whatever they provide no it's so nice to see people finding you know what they like to post about and also seeing people react to it and actually following and engaging you're like hell yeah yeah go. it's, it's just, just a win-win for everyone like sooner or later there's going to be something that I don't know, like everybody be getting famous. There's so many more TikTok people. I know. What's the next thing going to be? I don't know. 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 It's just crazy, like how many ways there are to make money online and how crazy it is that I have not tapped into a single portion of it. But (laughs) (laughs) I think it would be dope to coming from someone who I think you and I both have that tendency to crave social interaction, but also especially right now, it's like even harder to do that. And sometimes feels exhausting, but to know that you like always had a pool of people who would 
answer a poll about something you're curious about oh. or like give you some insight into something that you've been wondering and wondering if other people feel the same way and they're all kind of like-minded because they must be, you know, if they follow you. I just think that would be so fun. That's like no the coolest thing to me about for a very long time, Emily, I used to say I wanted to be an influencer. I, kinda, I know we talked about you becoming a YouTuber. Yeah. Or even just like a full-time podcaster. And that's, that's really the root of that desire is like being able to have a community that is always with you in your back pocket. I just think that's iconic. And we already have a humble beginning. We already have a, a humble start with an <laughs> amazing community. <laughs> yes. And then, who needs 30,000 followers and $1,800 a post? 300 followers and people that send you question of the days questions with of that. the day questions of the days where does the yes go <laughs> questions of the day okay that was right that was the right one so this one comes from the OG Emily and she asked us what would your entrances be if you were a contestant on the bachelor and I asked Audrey this earlier today. I said, do you want to do this today or do you want a week to think about it? Because in my mind, I'm going, oh my God, I need a, you know at least a few business days to really lay out a strategy, a plan. And Audrey goes, no, let's just do it today. So I'm making you answer this first because your confidence was everything. So I would just come out of the limo and there would be orchestral music playing <laughs> in the background and I would just From be- Bridgerton? Yes. And I would just, yeah. <laughs> something something a cover by the vitamin string quartet and <laughs> I would just straight up infatuate the bachelor with mm. my beauty mm. and my teeth would twinkle in <laughs> in the light and I would just be like hi my name's Audrey and they'd be like wow you're so beautiful you would have a really you wouldn't have like a pickup line or a joke you would just keep it really basic let the looks do the talking yeah because I am 100% confident in my ability to get the first impression rose just based on looks alone. As you should. And <laughs> what, sort of a, what sort of a dress would you be wearing? I mean, you don't need to go crazy, but, you know, do you have an ideal? Definitely not our prom and homecoming dresses from Finders Keepers. 100% <laughs> not that. Probably maybe like a low back revealing moment with like a like a high neck and a low back or something. Mm. Definitely no sequins, you know, no poofiness, just very classic. Maybe like a Kate Hudson yellow dress. Oh. In the, what's that movie called? Fuck, 10 thing, 10. No, isn't it? Um, how to lose a guy in 10 how days. To lose, yeah, that's what we based our, <laughs> our, remember how we posed back to back, like the cover of that movie? That's 100% correct. That is actually, <laughs> yes. But yeah, exactly that. The yellow, the low back, like a $100,000 diamond oh necklace. God. Duh. Yeah. And then my hair would be blonde and I would be white and I would look like Kate Hudson. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so. I love that. Okay. I mean, you would for sure get the first impression rose just off of that. Yes, I do too. That's why. That's why that's my answer. What's yours? <laughs> so I think I'd have to get a little more creative here. I <laughs> okay. Here are the immediate two immediate things that come to mind. First, I would have to incorporate where I'm from, my small farm town. And I think unfortunately that would have to involve maybe bringing a pig in. And or I know a pitchfork. Yes. Like there would be some sort of farming joke. I think the hay bale is a little overdone, but I do think that, you know, maybe you could ride in on a tractor. Yeah. Like a tractor or just like have a pig with me or <laughs> Just, yeah, drive in a combine, like not even a tiny tractor, like a full-blown John Deere combine. Yeah. So, or maybe a wheat truck. Anyway. Oh, actually. Maybe no, you could wheel yourself in with a wheelbarrow. Okay. Well, that's like a little, I just think I'm too big for a wheelbarrow. <laughs> to be a very large you could, wheelbarrow. Yeah, no, you could I ride a cow idea. in. I have an idea. The wheat trucks, actually, when they get to the grain elevators, you know how the bed of the truck tips up and all the wheat slides down? Maybe I could be in the bed of a wheat truck and then I, it tips up and I slide down. I'm not familiar with the mechanics of a wheat truck, but I do have the visual based on your description. So yes. <laughs> this is actually be good. Okay. I like that. My second option was going to be something involving how tall I am. So maybe I wear like five inch heels and step out of the limo, like six, five. And or then you come in on stilts. Yes. 
Yes. yes. Like make some sort of joke about that and then like take the heels off or take the silts off. Like, oh my God, I'm just a humble 5'11, maybe six foot yeah. on a good day. Um, so those would be my two ideas. I would obviously try to throw in a joke that would probably wouldn't land. And then I think for a dress, yeah, it would be like some nice you know, not too showy, but maybe, you know, a nice little silk moment, maybe dark green or blue. Mm-hmm. Um, a dark green, love. Love a nice, like maybe spaghetti strap moment with like a nice, like tight fitting long mm-hmm. dress. So yeah. And obviously a hundred thousand dollar diamonds as well. Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. I love that. I think well, hopefully we both make it past the first night at least. I'm sure we would. I'm sure that whoever was cast as the bachelor would look at both of us and say, that's my type. <laughs> <laughs> what a fun question. I like that one. That is a fun question. Well, speaking of being on TV, <laughs> I heard somebody in the news. Speaking of blondes on TV, Jeanette <laughs> McCurdy has announced that she has quit acting and will not be appearing in the iCarly reboot. During an episode of her podcast, Empty Inside, Jeanette revealed that she stepped back from the spotlight a few years ago and never really wanted to act in the first place. Quote, I quit a few years ago to try my hand at writing and directing. It's going great. She told Anna Ferris, who was a guest on the show. I quit a few years ago because I initially didn't want to do it. My mom put me in when I was six and sort of by age, I guess, 10 or 11, I was the main financial support for my family. My family didn't have a lot of money and this was the way out, which I actually think was helpful in driving me to some degree of success. Jeanette went on and said, always, always, always acting was difficult for me because she struggled with nervousness. Once I started to get the nerves under control was when I started to actually get some traction, but I ultimately quit after my mom passed away because with her death kind of died a lot of her ideas for my life. And that was its own journey and a difficult one for sure. My experience with acting is I'm sure I'm so ashamed of the parts I've done in the past, she said. I resent my career in a lot of ways. I feel so unfulfilled by the roles that I played and felt like it was the most cheesy, embarrassing. I did the shows that I was on from like 13 to 21. And by 15, I was already embarrassed. My friends at 15, they're not like, oh, cool, you're on this Nickelodeon show. It was embarrassing. And I imagine there's a very different experience to be had with acting if you're proud of your roles and if you feel fulfilled by them. Now, here's the tea. The reason that this really stuck out, first of all, there were a lot of headlines, actually, surprisingly, I would say, jumping on of Jeanette McCurdy's specific call out in that little blip, which was her saying that she pretty much quit acting and that she's really ashamed of the roles that she's played. And I think the reason that this became super relevant in the last few weeks or so is A, because it's a slow news month. I mean, nothing (laughs) is really going on. So everything goes. But also because iCarly was just added to Netflix this month and a lot of people are rewatching it because people fucking our age like literally grew up on iCarly. I've even been watching it and I have some things to say. I was just going to say earlier this week, Audrey sent me a Snapchat and it was just of her adorable dog, Lenny, and she was like petting him and it was, you know, just chilling on her couch. But in the background, I could faintly hear the drums and I was like, are you watching iCarly right now from the theme song? And she was like, yes, I've been watching it all week. So yeah, you're bringing a good perspective to the table because you are part of this target demographic. Well, and it's just... So it's, it's a weird, I mean, it's hard because I don't know the way that this whole story and iCarly and Dan Schneider and all of that stuff is like being positioned in the public as much as it's more of like a personal fascination for me. And the reason that I say that is because for a long while, I will still, and still from time to time, I get videos on my TikTok for you page about specifically Dan Schneider, all the weird foot shit in all of his shows, especially and most blatantly on iCarly and Victorious. There's a ton of clips, if you ever wanted to look at them on YouTube, where I think it was Dan Schneider himself who was kind of walking around on the set of Victorious filming. And maybe it's the way it's edited. Maybe it's the context, you know, on TikTok, that is the way these videos are edited. And, the, and like the blatant, like, hey, look how creepy Dan Schneider is. So then it obviously it's like confirmation bias. You see what you want to see. Yeah. But it is a little weird. Like all the actors look very concerned when he's around. The male actors look very protective over the female actors. The girl who plays Kat, which is Ariana Grande. And then Liz Gillies, the girl who plays the other mean lady. They're like always trying to like get away from him in these videos. And ugh, it's just so creepy. On top of that. When James and I started watching iCarly last week, we watched five episodes in a row and every single episode, sans maybe one, 
had some creepy fucking foot thing. There's one Why where nobody noticed that when it was going on. I don't know, but it's so weird. And then before this episode, before we started recording, I'm Googling like Dan Schneider foot stuff. And it's only like Reddit threads. Like nobody is actually talking about it oh in God. like reasonably on any kind of publication that is like, like verified. Yeah, legitimate. Thank you. <laughs> I'm not a fucking dictionary. Okay. Sometimes you just can't think of the word. So I don't know. It's just like really upsetting me because I'm like, why are we not talking about this? Like, because we've all had that conversation about how Dan Schneider is creepy. He kind of left his partnership with Nickelodeon quietly. And it's kind of like the Harvey Weinstein that got away vibes. Like he, he escaped potentially a very dark situation by being paid off by Nickelodeon to not be there anymore because he was sus. I don't know. It's very conspiracy vibes. No, absolutely. And it it does. It freaks me out. If you ever want to just feel gross, just Google Dan Schneider. And it's disgusting because all these images pop up of him just like hugging, you know, like Ariana Grande and Miranda Cosgrove and like touching Jeanette McCurdy's hair. Like it's just, oh, you just get creepy, creepy vibes. And there were also a few articles that came out, I believe last year, also about Jeanette McCurdy and how she like struggled with an eating disorder when she was on iCarly. And I don't know if this has been, if you've seen this be talked about, but she struggled with an eating disorder. She was open about that. And then people have pointed out that her character, Sam, was the one that like eats all the food and is like obsessed with eating. And like they make her eat like a bunch of like nasty things and like really oh pig God, out on the show. Isn't that fucked up? Like, that's so fucked up. And like, for some, I would have thought that with this news of her coming out about not being on the reboot and how she's done acting, that we would have also resurfaced some of those older things. I don't know. It's just, it's making me uncomfortable and scared. No, that's a great point, though. I totally, I need to rewatch the show, honestly, because just, yeah, knowing all this information now, it just makes me curious. Like how many things did we miss when we were watching it the first time around? And how does it look through this different lens now that we have this new context? But I do- And what, did we have that lens in 2014? (laughs) Okay, Chris Harrison, we're going to get to that later. No, but actually it's- uh... It just makes me sad. Like I can't stop thinking of things the same way ever since I watched Framing Britney Spears, because I just- it makes me so sad all the things that we don't know about this industry that are slowly coming out, but you know, there's still so much to uncover. And even I was watching, I think the rundown on E and they were talking about how Selena Gomez, I think snapped at the paparazzi, which that was the headline. And it really was not that aggressive. I think she just told them to back off. But then I was just like, oh my God, again, paparazzi just ruining everybody's lives. Like, especially these female stars just have to go through so much shit to be successful and it just bothers me so much it just makes my blood boil and yeah and it's just disgusting how many things we probably still don't know that have gone on or are still going on behind the scenes would you say you're surprised that Jeanette will not be returning no if anything I'm surprised that they're all returning I think it's really weird I I don't under okay so I know that I'm always talking about the like behind the scenes logistics things of it all but I'm confused because Dan Schneider not only produced this show, but he created the show. Like it was, mm-hmm. he has the creator credits on iCarly. So I'm assuming because he parted ways with Nickelodeon back in the day, but he's, he has to still be making money off of a reboot because this is his like creative copyrighted work, I would imagine. So to me, that feels weird. And I don't know, like, cause again, there hasn't been anything confirmed about anything that may have happened on the set of that show or on Victorious, but it obviously feels like, I just don't understand how Miranda Cosgrove can watch back iCarly, watch all of those foot scenes of her, like putting her foot in Sam's face or them putting their toes on the on the camera and knowing that somebody told them to do that when they were 12 to 13 years old. And then for her to have a good enough experience still to go back and do it again. That's what's confusing to me. Like, I'm like, why are you doing it? And also it's just going to ruin everything. Cause I'm also confused because I Carly was to me, one of the funniest shows when I was a kid. Oh, I loved it. It was like the source of me and all of my best friends humor 
for so long and I still want I the reason I'm watching it today is because it makes me laugh so it's confusing so I'm sure I don't know it's just no, I wanted to bring a, it up I guess it's a great it's a good point though because it's very similar vibes to Taylor Swift re-recording her albums you know will I Carly is is it just doing a reboot under a different lens or maybe they got it legally cleared somehow to not have him be evolved yes and there was, so this HuffPost article said that Nickelodeon cut ties with iCarly creator Dan Schneider after alleged abusive behavior. And this was in 2018 that this came out. So it was about three years ago. And it says Nickelodeon has officially cut ties with the fame producer Dan Schneider, creator of major hits, blah, 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 blah. The network and Schneider, who've worked together since the late 80s, mutually agreed not to extend a production deal with his company, Schneider's Bakery. Following many conversations together about next directions and future opportunities, Nickelodeon and our longtime creative partner, Dan Schneider slash Schneider's Bakery, have agreed not to extend the current deal. Since several Schneider's Bakery projects are wrapping oath, both sides up, both sides agree that this is a natural time for Nickelodeon and Schneider's Bakery to pursue other opportunities. Neither Nickelodeon nor Schneider gave a reason. Deadline reports the decision was years in the making due to multiple complaints of abusive behavior by members of the staff and well-documented temper issues. The report says Schneider worked under a cloud of suspicion because of relationships with young stars on his shows and notes he shared photos of actresses' toes on social media. And the toe stuff didn't stop on iCarly. Like, there was definitely weird toe stuff on Victorious, on Drake and Josh. And wasn't Dan Schneider involved with Zoe 101, too? I'm, yes. I'm not seeing that, but he definitely was. Yeah. And then there's, like, everybody from all of those series had issues. Yeah, like, I was just going to say, this is really interesting, because even though I wasn't surprised that Jeanette McCurdy said she's quitting acting and, you know, won't be returning... If you think about it, even if you think of Ariana Grande and Miley Cyrus and even Victoria Justice, you know, especially with Ariana and Miley, it's like, okay, yes, they went on to have massive singing careers. So it does seem unlikely that they would ever return to the acting side of things because why would they need to do that? But at the same time, you have to wonder, like all of these child actors, I think Jeanette put it really well when she said, you know, I imagine it's a very different experience if, you know, you're proud of your roles and you feel fulfilled by them. But I I think all of these child stars have spoken out about how it wasn't really fun to be a child star because you are very isolated. You don't have friends. There's a lot of bullying. You know, nobody can relate to you. And so it's really not surprising that they don't want to return to acting because I'm sure it's a very sort of raw and, you know, just painful experience that they don't want to have to revisit. And I think Miranda Cosgrove was one that I don't know for some reason I feel like she kind of either got out of it a little bit unscathed somehow or maybe she just hasn't talked about it but I really haven't ever seen interviews of her saying that you know she struggled with being a child star or and maybe that's because she was on Drake and Josh before iCarly so she had already sort of been exposed to that by the time that iCarly came out whereas he was sort of thrown into the spotlight but Oh, I just feel so bad. Like, and it's crazy because from our perspective as fans of these shows growing up, you know, we idolize these people. They were our heroes, you know, they were our role models. And now in hindsight, you're like, oh my God, I'm, I used to be so jealous of the life that you led. And now I'm not at all, you know, now I'm grateful for my plain Jane childhood. (laughs) I know it's just confusing, I guess, looking at it and feeling like this was a big piece of your childhood, but also then knowing that every show that he had to do with or that he basically had creator creative liberties over feels tainted with whatever creepy shit happened, but there is no actual really documentation of anything, no really proof, solid proof, but we all know that it's weird just by watching. We know that it's weird. I made that comment if you guys saw my Instagram stories where at the end of all the iCarly shows, they had actual viewers of iCarly submit videos to be shown at, during the end credits. And there was literally a kid who was mimicking a scene that he probably saw in iCarly where he put his toes up in the camera and was like, look at my toes. Ha ha. And he like drew faces on them or whatever. And I'm like, what the fuck? And maybe that wasn't real, but it's meant to look real and they're not characters on the show. So it's just either way, it's fucking weird. And it's, it's so confusing to watch the show and be like, ha ha ha, this is so funny. And then have a foot scene come up and it just turns dark. And you're like, uh, uh. <laughs> and where is that kid now? That poor kid submitted literally no thinking. And he was probably so excited that it made it onto the show. And now it's just creepy. Yeah. This is why so I anyways. hate men. This is men. why I hate men. 
Because men ruin everything. They literally ruin everything. Childhood fun, ruined. Childhood shows, ruined. Feet foot fetishes, ruined. Like, (laughs) I I just, oh, like, why does everything that we love have to be tainted? And while I am not surprised that she, you know, Jeanette isn't returning to iCarly. And, you know, while I think it will be sad that she's not a part of the reboot, I fully respect her decision. But I have to say... A, what is the point of half of these reboots, if not all of them? And B, what is the point of reboots if a main character will not be coming back? Because exhibit A, this is going to be a bummer without having Sam to Carly. Okay, they were a power duo. And second of all, Sex and the City. Samantha isn't going to be there. (laughs) Big isn't going to be there. So what am I watching for? You know, I was so hyped when that reboot was announced because I love Sex and the City. But then I found out that Samantha and Big won't be there. And it's like, at a certain point, even though I'm sure, you know, the producers and the writers have a plan for how they're going to address the absence. It's like, I'm just not interested anymore. Yeah, there's literally no point to the reboots. I'm a firm believer in reboots should never happen. Never, ever. And, and I don't want a Friends reboot. I don't want the Friends reboot. Me I don't either. want it. But anyways, we could go on and on and on. But I think it's time to move on to our next topic. And so speaking of men ruining everything. <laughs> we have another one. We have one that's ruined a lot of things for a lot of people over the last few weeks. So yeah. Chris Harrison did his first interview since stepping back from The Bachelor And he went on Good Morning America to be interviewed by Michael Strahan, who's an absolute icon. And this all happened last Thursday. And whenever stuff like this happens, I feel like whenever there's interviews, you know, done by celebrities that are maybe in a bunch of controversy or something's going on, I always see that they do the interview, but I rarely actually watch it for some reason. I feel like I more so just look at the articles to get the summaries. But this one, I was very interested in actually watching. And so I'm here to give you guys the recap of how the interview went down. And a quick side note, I have to apologize because I think I've been saying Rachel's last name, Kurt Connell, but it's Kurt Connell or is it? Yeah, (laughs) Kurt Connell. Kirkanelli or something. Which just, again, doesn't roll off the tip of the tongue, but whatever. So first of all, I will, I would like to preface this by saying that Michael Strahan, even, I don't know if, you know, he was the one that came up with these questions, but he asked amazing questions. So he went first, in, he really went in on Chris. He had no filter, no shame as he should. So the first <laughs> question he asked Chris is, you know, this season was supposed to be a turning point for the show. So why would you defend Rachel Kirkanell? And this was Chris's answer, quote, <laughs> I, am, I am an imperfect man. I made a mistake and I own that. I believe that mistake doesn't reflect who I am or what I stand for. I'm committed to the progress, not just for myself, but for the franchise. And first of all, what? I'm committed to the progress. The progress of what? Can you be a little <laughs> more specific? Weird, weird ender there. Weird and then, flex, but okay. Yeah. So then Michael goes in a little deeper and he brings up the exact quote that Chris said when he was doing his interview with Rachel Lindsay, which was how, you know, is it not a good look in 2018 or is it not a good look in 2021? Because there's a big difference. So then Michael asked Chris, so to you, what is the difference or is there one? And of course, Chris immediately goes, there is not. Antebellum parties are not okay past, present, future, knowing what that represents is unacceptable. Which, okay. So again, how do you believe that when in the interview just a few weeks prior with Rachel Lindsay, he literally said, there's a big difference. And then all of a sudden now he's going, there is not one. There is not a difference. I just don't buy that at all. So, okay. And then Chris goes on to say, I am saddened and shocked at how insensitive I was in that interview with Rachel Lindsay. And I didn't speak from my heart. And that is to say, I stand against all forms of racism. And I am deeply sorry. I'm sorry to Rachel Lindsay. And I'm sorry to the Black community. So going off that, Michael then brought up how much hate the Rachel has received, causing her to, you know, deactivate her Instagram, which happened last week. And Chris said, and so Michael sort of asked him, you know, have you talked to Rachel? What's going on between you two? And Chris said, I've talked to Rachel, not since she deactivated her Instagram account, but I talked to her initially and I apologize and I want to do so again. I'm incredibly sorry to anyone who is throwing hate towards Rachel Lindsay. Please stop. It is unacceptable. So basically the rest of the interview is just sort of asking Chris, you know, do you think the reaction you've received has been fair? And of course, you know, he just continues to say, I own it. I'm not a victim, blah, blah, blah. He went on to say, 
say that he's been working closely with a race educator and strategist, along with faith leaders and scholars like yeah. Dr. Michael Eric Dyson, which I thought was very interesting. Okay. There are so many things that I want to talk about this interview, but first and foremost, I, I have to say watching it and even just watching a few clips from it, it's really fascinating where, cause you can read the exact words that he, he's stated, and then you can watch the interview and they felt like completely two, two different things because you know what I'm reading is, yeah, I mean, he's, he's admitting he's op- um, acknowledging, you know, doing all the right things. He's not being defensive. He's not explaining away. He's just accepting, acknowledging and taking responsibility, which is good. And this is, this interview is the exact reason why we read so many notes up apologies, because you can just tell when somebody is being insincere. And it's really hard because I think there's definitely, uh, especially when it comes to all of these conversations about race, this feeling, especially among white people of there's nothing we can do. We can't do anything right. When we make a mistake, and when we apologize and when we learn, it's still not good enough. And, and, you know, we're going to make mistakes, blah, 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 whatever. I could talk like a white person for days, but the problem <laughs> is the problem is that there's never going to be in There's never going to be as a white person, a level of achievement where you are no longer underneath the microscope of working towards anti-racism, like anti-racism will never, ever, ever be finished because there will always be racism. And so what's frustrating about Chris's response is that it just felt completely scripted. It felt completely forced. It did not feel from the heart. It didn't feel like he cared. Like I'm sure that he was rehearsing this over and over and over again. There could be many excuses for why it did not feel sincere, but I've never seen him sound more like a Republican. Like that's the only way that I can describe it. Like he sounded so Trumpy, it hurt. And like a robot, you could tell the way that he was, if you guys haven't watched the interview, you don't watch the whole thing, but at least watch one clip because he sounds the same in every single answer that he gives. Yeah. And it's, it does, it feels extremely repetitive. And, you know, Michael made a, made a a comment towards the end. He said his, 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 (laughs) whoa, he said his apology is his apology, but I've, it felt like I got nothing more than a surface response on any of this. And obviously he is a man who clearly wants to stay on the show, but only time will tell if there's any meaning behind his words. I loved that because he said yeah. that right after the clip aired, right after the clip of the interview aired. And that really summed it up because Michael was saying when he said, obviously he's a man who clearly wants to stay on the show. That's basically code for, he was just covering his ass to do whatever he needs to do to try to keep ABC happy. Yes. And a GMA interview really rubs me the wrong way. It really does because it's completely, I mean, it's forced, it's staged. You know, he had PR, his PR people talk to the people of ABC, you know, coordinating, okay, what's the best move for this, for us to be able to get him back. We don't want to part of me feels like they don't want to recast the the host because again so much of bachelor nation doesn't give a fuck about this and wants him to stay but then they also have to satisfy the way that you know the younger audiences which tends to be much more morally obligated to do the right thing well and i will say that the interview for anybody that hasn't seen it the interview was pre-recorded this was not a live interview at all and i would be super interested to see chris try to do a live interview because i think it would be i mean he would still be very scripted but that just also rubbed me the wrong way that of course he only did a pre-recorded interview that I'm sure his team had to sign off on after all of his answers were done. Yeah. I don't know. It just, anytime that there's an interview like this, it feels, I think the, the way that our generation is going, the lack of any lack of organic conversation just does not resonate anymore the way that it may have a while back where it's like oh you did a bad thing let's schedule an interview and make sure that we can you know PR it away or whatever totally I also want to talk about and we've had conversations kind of lightly about cancel culture and all of that stuff but I I just the conversations in Bachelor Nation especially around the term cancel culture is like crazy there there's just always people talking about cancel culture one quote from chris from this interview was when he was talking about the race educator and strategist and faith leaders and scholars like dr michael eric dyson where chris said dr dyson often talks to me about counsel not cancel and that is full accountability understanding what you didn't understand owning that learning from that seeking counsel often in the community that you hurt learning from them listening gaining experience knowledge and moving forward and I mean, like, yes, that is true. I just, I, uh, I'm so over the word cancel culture. Like I'm 
actually so over it because cancel culture, I, I, my hot take of the week is that cancel culture does not exist. Literally tell me one person who was canceled and whose career or life was ruined over being canceled. Exactly. The only time that happens is if they're sitting in jail right now because they committed an actual crime yep. and they're suffering the legal repercussions of that. No, people, all these celebrities literally act like cancel culture is when they get canceled for something and then we ship them off to some remote island for like the Hunger Games. It's like they're impacted for a week and then it all goes away and their careers are fine and they stay rich and they stay wealthy and nothing nothing happens so I couldn't agree more it's like what we cancel them for a few days and just bash them on the internet but then everything goes back to normal that's an interesting it's just a it's a very interesting thing to kind of zoom in on cancel culture because on one hand I'm like cancel culture doesn't exist if you're a celebrity and you're complaining about cancel culture I literally will no longer support you because just shut the fuck up on the other hand Yes, like have the general audience of many different consumers of different shows and media of any kind become so comfortable with picking out everything wrong about ever anything about a person. Also, yes. And that to me is where cancel culture really stands out versus canceling someone for doing something that was bad and that person having to take responsibility for that thing. I've noticed so much like TikTok is so fucking toxic. Like literally more now more than ever, comment sections are like, oh my God, I can't believe you used a plastic bag. Like, how dare you? And that to me is like a little bit extra, but like, if there's a conversation about race happening, can we just not, can we just not use the word cancel culture? Like or the term, I just feel that that feels icky. And if you're like, I'm getting canceled, then like, you probably aren't focusing on the real issue at hand. And that's exactly what Chris Harrison did because you know, in his interview with Rachel Lindsay, he brought up cancel culture and cancellations left and right along with quote, woke police. And then, (laughs) and then of course he couldn't help but mention it at least once. And I think that was sort of a little jab about his feelings about being canceled. And you can tell that that's where the majority of his intentions are coming from. It's just the annoyance that people are trying to boot him out of the franchise. And this, oh my God, this rubbed me the wrong way times 10. So at the very end of the interview, Michael asked him, so you are the right person to lead this franchise into the future, you feel? And Chris's answer was, quote, I plan to be back and I want to be back. This interview is not the finish line. There is much more work to be done and I'm excited to be part of that change. Hell no. We talked about it almost every week, but Bachelor is sinking fast and they're they're with their buckets trying to get the water out of the boat because they're like, oh fuck, it's going too fast. We gotta do something right now. (laughs) I don't know about this one. I, and I, I, oh my God, Emily, did you notice on the women tell all the very first, cause the first scene is Chris introducing everything. And on the bottom, it says this was previously recorded on yes. <laughs> February, yes. whatever. I was like, okay, they're just trying to cover their asses. They're like, yeah, we didn't have the resources to edit him out of this. Also, it's impossible because it was literally the women tell all it was hosted by him. But yeah, it'll be Interesting to see what kind of conversations Emmanuel Acho sparks on the after the final rose. And like, I really hope that they don't make it like a comeback story for Chris. Cause I just think that's not like what the audience needs right now. If anything, it needs to be like lifting up people like Rachel who like have really bared the burden of all of this for so long. Entire situation. And yeah. yeah. It's also interesting and we can kind of, you know, lend into the conversation about the women tell all too, because what's really interesting, what I'm seeing on the internet is because you know how everybody on the women tell all was being fucking psychotic, except for Katie. Like everybody was like, why is everybody so horrible except for Katie? Because the entire cast was a war bullies, except for Katie in, in the eyes of a lot of, of viewers, there's a lot of racism coming out of the woodwork because the cast was was comprised of a lot of people of color and I actually saw today Abigail is really good friends with Chelsea who was the one who was speaking out to Katie being like you told you know who Chelsea is yeah the model yeah 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 Abigail posted on her story a selfie with her and Chelsea because I think they're like besties her Abigail and like Piper I think are really close And she posted a picture with Chelsea being like, if you're sending racist hate messages to Chelsea, like you can shut the fuck up. Like she's an amazing person, whatever. And I was like, oh my God, like that's actually so interesting. I mean, it's not interesting. It fucking sucks. But I'm like, 
damn, there's such another layer because on top of all this stuff with Rachel Lindsay and Chris Harrison and that entire situation, there's the whole other situation where all of the entire cast was being a bully except for Katie. So everybody stands Katie and is fucking going to bat against all the other women in the cast. Everybody that spoke up against her during the women tell all. Oh my God. That was so crazy. And I'm honestly, are you feeling confused? I'm feeling confused about that because I'm like, does Katie actually suck? And did she just get like an incredible edit? Because most of the fans are like team Katie. Everybody else is a bully, but it's like, how could they have gone all through the show being on the wrong side and then watching the show back and still being on the wrong side? Like, no, we- I, we, we officially need to transition into the women tell all because yeah. it did not go at all the way I expected. I expected pe- for people like Anna and Victoria and MJ just to get ripped to shreds by everybody. And it was literally the opposite, like you said, where everybody just absolutely came for Katie's throat. It was literally a group mentality, a mob against her. It was the most insane thing like nobody was sticking up for katie i just don't understand and i don't think that even with the power of editing and producing that katie really was the bad guy on this season because everything that we saw all the quotes from the women who were saying horrible things about each other and bullying the other contestants that can't be edited you know that can't be constructed from different sentences and whatnot or different contexts they were bullies and that is that I was really trying to to come up with any sort of explanation for why Katie going to Matt and telling him that rumors were going around about a girl and not saying the girl, not saying the rumor, not saying who was sharing them, just saying this needs to stop because it's bad, how she is still getting wrecked by everyone and then being blamed for causing toxicity in the house. Like she literally reported it. I don't know. I, I, I found that when Chelsea made, did make that comment of like, when you told Matt about the toxicity, like that's when the toxicity started or whatever. I was like, what? How like, let's that? rewind that. Let's really dissect let's unpack that. that. Yeah. Let's unpack it, Chelsea. And it made me so angry because again, this is something, I mean, first of all, the amount of bullying I don't think has happened on previous seasons, but there is always someone who goes to the lead to report a bad behavior or a bad situation. So again, why are we getting so freaked out and uptight about this when this is not something new? It's not like Katie well, got somebody kicked off the show or well, she got it. Did, well, but, you know. When some, when that happens too, they're normally stupid about it because they yeah. actually say the names and they, they usually are a part of it in some way. And Katie was just like, dude, this could ruin this girl's life. Like her life could be ruined. I need to do something about it. And that's how she felt about that. That's how she felt about the time before when everybody was coming for Sarah. Like, remember Sarah? Yeah. She wasn't even there because the bullying was probably so severe. Wait, that's a great point. Nobody talked about that. How Sarah, nobody talked about how Sarah wasn't there. And she probably was like, fuck y'all. I do not need to be here again. I do not need to deal with that. You probably just stopped getting hate, you know? Isn't that crazy? Well, and see, this is my, this sort of leads into another topic under the women tell all, but obviously that we all know that Heather was there and was not actually, she was just completely cut out of the show. And, you know, there's a lot of reasons for this. And obviously, you know, you could look at it under the lens of, well, she was on the show for approximately five minutes. So what's the point of having her included in the women tell all whatever. But I have to say that now that you bring up Sarah, which is so interesting, I can't believe that slipped my mind is that maybe they wanted Heather cut out because they would probably, if they were to talk to Heather, it would very obviously be about how much bullying she received in like five minutes of being on the show. Well, I saw a prediction or a guess from one of the bachelor accounts that I follow that probably what happened was that she, the reason she wasn't introduced was because she got, she had like an interview segment later on. Like they were like, Oh, let's bring out Heather. And then she talked and then she went and sat with the girls. But that probably what happened was they just cut that segment for time for whatever reason. Uh, so it was less like that they, you know, when they're doing like the introductions of everybody there that she was sitting there and they like skipped her over. People think that's probably what happened, but I don't know. Okay. That, that makes more sense. I just, poor Heather. She yeah. got done dirty once. <laughs> it's happening I mean, again. I need Heather to just not be 
not be there anymore. I'm sorry, but we've <laughs> got to unfollow her on Instagram. Now that the we season do. is coming to an end, I really don't want any more of her content. I'm sorry. Well, we do, I, but a good person, but I I do not like the content. There is a circulating theory that Heather and Matt are together, and I don't believe it, but that's the only reason I've I've stayed following her just in case there's any tea. Well, I did see a comment that said, like, I thought I heard Matt's laugh in the background or blah, blah, blah. But I really feel like that's a reach. Okay, the I have two more things that I want to bring up. First, can we please stop making the women watch their montage of their <laughs> relationship with Matt? Because... First of all, it's just really awkward to watch. It's like, we all remember what happened. Okay, we don't need to be reminded. This is fresh off the episodes, not, you know, three years later. And it just makes me so sad because they obviously all start crying. They're emotional. They've never seen it before. And it's just, I hate that they have to watch it right before their interview. You know what I mean? Like, if you're going to make them watch it, can we maybe do it after their interview wraps up, which I guess wouldn't make sense and wouldn't fit into the show, right? But it just feels like a weird emotional manipulation technique. I mean, it definitely is. Sorry, I'm yawning. But then on the other hand, like there are some of the girls where I was like, you don't give a fuck. Like you're actually, I felt like, I felt like some of them were kind of trying to be, seem more sad than they were. Whereas like Abigail, I feel like seemed very realistic. Like she was like, yeah, I'm bummed, but like, it's been a couple months, you know, like I'm over it kind of thing. And I'm just glad I got the experience. Whereas like Piper kind of gave me vibes of like, not really, maybe really caring very much. And then there was Serena who never wanted to be there in the first place. So that was interesting. But I was surprised. Yeah. I don't know. The whole thing, this whole season has just felt off in so many ways. And that was definitely one of them for me. Yeah, and I just needed to be over. I was telling Audrey, if you're listening, if you're listening to the episode today, tonight isn't even the finale. And I really thought <laughs> that it was, but it's just gonna be them meeting Matt's parents and then the fantasy suites. And I really thought it was a finale or at least a two-part finale, but no, we have to wait a whole other week. And I'm just so ready for it to be done. Yeah, Emily's hurting. I'm hurting too. And the final thing from the women tell all that really hurt me was the whole Brittany and Anna interview and Anna's horrible apology this is all I have to say to Anna you had how much time to formulate an apology and that's what you delivered it was probably one of the worst apologies I've ever seen on the show and the fact that she said first of all she wrapped up one of her first the first half of her apology with it just sucks and I'm sorry and she kind of giggled which made me laugh that was cringe and then her comment about Chicago being a small Small town town. what do you mean I just oh my god absolute trash and I just I would be so embarrassed if I were her and good for Brittany because she looked amazing she just articulated everything beautifully she looked wonderful she was mature she was composed she educated everybody but that was just so painful to watch it's so interesting that you say that because I was watching it without sound because we were playing Fortnite at the time and so I was just reading the (laughs) I was just reading the subtitles and I felt I when I was reading them I was like oh she seems like she's really just like by you know swallowing her words and being like yes I fucked up I fucked up I fucked up I fucked up like that's kind of the way I read it but it was really awkward when the when Brittany was like yeah you'd never even like tried to text me so like I just I don't really know but whatever like I love I love when people make those call outs of when you know there's (laughs) apologies being thrown out and then they go well this is the first time I've heard it from you you've had weeks to reach out I love that 100 percent call outs that pretty much covers everything from bachelor bachelor women tell all I did want to briefly say that I really want to talk about WandaVision and I'm just like pretty upset that you don't watch the Marvel shows, but I'm just going to put it out there that I finished the show. I'm like really happy that it's that I finished it and I'm just like super excited for what's to come and basically feel like I'm talking to a wall right now, but um, I just had to put it out there because it was so good and it's like bringing me a lot of joy lately. So, Okay. How many episodes are there? (laughs) Nine, but like you're not, I mean- a lot of the show is like setting up things for other things and also a lot of like fan servicey stuff that like you appreciate because you've been, you know, involved this far. So mm-hmm. I'm not trying to gatekeep it, but I just, I don't need you to watch it because I don't feel like we would connect over it anyways. Okay. Cause I was going to say, listen, if it means that much to you, I'm happy to watch it, but I feel like I'll have no idea what's going on. 
No, you, I mean, it stands alone as a show, but definitely you don't, if you don't have like any previous understanding of who Wanda is, who Vision is. Yeah. You're like, "Mm, not for me. (laughs) Okay. Let me say though, I have two things that I plan on watching tonight and tomorrow. Okay. The first, I need to watch the Billie Eilish documentary. Have you seen it? No, I also need to watch. And I feel like that could be a potentially really good thing to cover because I've heard nothing but good things and just one fascinating character. So that's a potential thing we can discuss. The Mm -hmm. next is tomorrow night on Sunday night, if you're listening right now, I will absolutely be watching Prince Harry and Meghan Markle's interview with Oprah. 1,010% we will be covering that. I have so many thoughts. I need to do some reading. I need to do some research and I need to watch it. And it's going to be with Oprah and it's going to be incredible. I'm yeah, so stoked for that. And then one other thing is Raya and the Last Dragon on Disney+. Plus. That's the newest Disney movie that just came out. You do have to buy it on Disney+, Plus, but it's worth it because it's Disney. So $29.99? <laughs> Are you kidding? It's like for going to the movie? It's like going to the movies. It's the only way that they're able to make money for all the budget that they put into it. It's Disney. I don't care. It's Disney. They could charge $5. Okay. I don't give a fuck. Don't watch it then. <laughs> So much money, even when Pete Davidson came out with um, oh my God. Martin Island, it was only, I think, $15 because he's a humble man. A humble man. Also, humble beginnings. Let me just say, I know I posted this on our story. No. I was, my stomach sank when I read that headline. You know, Olivia Rodrigo says Pete Davidson is her celebrity crush. Literally, I, will, I never thought I'd have to fight with an 18-year-old, but I am willing to do so at all costs. And I know that she just got her license, but stay in your lane, Olivia, okay? Oh my God, that was like the seventh time you've made that joke. She's not going to come for your man. Don't worry about it. I th- who's to say he dated Kaya Gerber who's who was 18 well then you need to think about who you stand I know because that's fucking weird I'm sorry I mean I don't it's I don't, all right <laughs> <laughs> it's almost been an hour we have to wrap it up we have to wrap it up you're right you're right Okay, well, you know, we will be back with that hot tea on Harry and Meghan and whatever else we decide to watch this week. So thank you, everybody, for being with us for another week of The Wrong Side. Catch us on Instagram at The Wrong Side Podcast. Leave us a review. Send us a DM. Post about us on Instagram. You know, whatever. Whatever you want to do. But thanks for being with us. And we will see you next week.